0: that all changed when I got fired by making a really simple mistake and I lost my job within 20 minutes. Yeah, not more people can say they've got fired by a celebrity, so this is going to bruise some of your egos. Nobody cares about your business. They care about what it can actually do for them.
1: On today's Engaging Marketeer podcast, I am speaking to video producer Rohini Mokwana. Rohini helps businesses uh, create video to promote their services, their products, and their why, to get across why it is they do what they do to their potential customers. So I'm gonna be talking to Rohini about how she gets under the bonnet of businesses, how she gets the story out of them, and why it is that you, as a business owner, need to use video marketing to promote yourselves and what are the best ways for you to do that? Um, so I, I, I've seen um, a couple of interviews and stuff that you've done before, and you mentioned yeah. how you, you got into film uh, when your, your dad, I think it was, brought home a very, very large old camera.
0: Yeah, do you remember like the old um, digital Kodak cameras, the ones that were like the size of your head, like the brick? Yeah. He brought home with of those and he was just super excited to start using it. And I just became fascinated with how, how it worked. Really.
1: And did you like to start using that and making any sort of films or, or video with it?
0: Yeah, I started doing like, uh, even though I couldn't do videos, I was kind of pretending it, it could do videos. Um, and just kind of experimenting with the settings, doing like little documentaries here and there, just random outings, random things around the house. Um, I just be kind of became fascinated how things work. So I became a kind of go-to person in the family where if something broke, I was the person to fix it.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, and then I started to study marketing for a little while because, again, fascinated with how things work, how people work, what actually creates influence to make people want to buy something. Um, I went to go and work in the wonderful world of television for a little while, <clears throat> did a few films too. Loved working in that industry. It's very, um, very glamorous, very fast paced, very, very much what you would imagine it to kind of be like.
2: Mm. But
0: at the same time, though, it's also, like, I guess, like most industries, it's also got a very dark side to it too. And uh, I was living in London. This was about what, eight, eight years ago now. Um, loving life, loving travelling, and everything with the career. But then all of a sudden, that all changed when I got fired by making a really simple mistake and I lost my job within 20 minutes. Wow. Yeah.
1: Wow. So, what did, what did that feel like?
0: Well, I was a bit in total shock to be honest at first. Total shock because twenty minutes ago I had a job and then now I didn't. And I was living in London. And those of you who live in London or know about London prices it's not a place you want to be without an income
1: no no it definitely isn't
0: so, so I as I was doing my walk-up shame back home went home watched the Lion King ate Pringles for dinner <laughs> had my little <laughs> had my little, like kind of sub moment but then I thought okay I don't really want to keep this pity party going on any longer and so I still had my rent to live out for the month in London because I was now in this kind of mode of thinking do I really want to continue in this career because back then I was in sort of like my really early 20s and I could afford to lose my main job at the time because something else would come along Mm. but then I started thinking well there's people in this career line who are like in their 40s and 50s and they have mortgages to pay and kids to pay for what if that happened to me and it was much much later down the line and so I started thinking I need something with a bit more security and quite frankly not as shallow not as um cutthroat either so I was looking at different options and I'd always liked the idea of having my own business I just didn't know what I was doing because I never knew anybody who actually set up a successful business everybody that I'd known who had set up a business had either done it on a small scale or they failed at it so I was in this kind of predicament of thinking, what do I actually want to do with my life? And I've got like three weeks to figure it out because I would, I could either stay in London and figure things out there or I could move back home and figure things out there. So um, I went to this networking event one evening and I met this incredible lady um, who introduced me to my next business opportunity, <laughs> which is actually funny enough in health and wellbeing. Now I had no like previous experience in business health and well-being, no business connections, etc. But But something was just telling me to jump in with two feet into this business opportunity. So that's exactly what I did. And I like that I essentially got my own business mentor as I joined this business. Then two weeks later, I thought, okay, I really like this business thing. Let's see what else is out there. Now, I, I had connections in the corporate world because of previous networking that I did, And I knew enough to know that, one, if you're going to be in business, you've got to have something that's a little bit unique about you. Two, it's not necessarily what you know. It's about who you know, especially in the beginning. So I found that a lot of people like in the corporate world, they would get these really nice videos made, but they didn't know marketing. And the production company also didn't know marketing. And as I mentioned before, I studied marketing. And so it just kind of blew my mind that more videographers, more production companies weren't offering video and marketing as a side-by-side service. Yeah. So that's what I started to offer to businesses to say, hey, look, can I make you this video? But I can Can I also help you to get results from that video? And they were like, yeah, that, that makes total sense. It saves me a lot of time and it's going to make me a lot more money. So that's exactly what I did. And then I thought, well... Because I was still living in London at the time of setting up the two businesses. London, for anything creative, was completely saturated. So I moved back home to Birmingham, where there were a lot more opportunities, a lot more people that were open to something new. And then the rest is history, as they say. So yeah, got fired, set up two businesses, and moved house within a month.
1: (laughs) So it's it's also like necessity then that started your your journey into entrepreneurship, your journey into self-employment?
0: Yeah, it was a necessity and feeling like I needed to live out my purpose. When I really thought about it, I realized that I wanted to get to a certain career point in the television industry. That was a particular job role, by the way, and it would take me about eight, 10 years in training to get to that point. Wow. Yeah. Because you obviously have to climb the, the hierarchy ladder, if you like, and then I started to think, actually, I can start doing the same principles of that job in my own video business. So why not just do that instead?
1: Mm. And do, do you have regrets about what what happened? No, not at all. Not at all. Good.
0: No, I, I definitely went out with a bang. So yeah, <laughs> and you, yeah. Not many people can say they've got fired by a celebrity. So
1: oh, we, I've got to ask. <laughs> <laughs> Who was that I was
0: working on the um, I was working with a very famous uh, comedian on one of their talk shows. Um, I'm not going to say who it was,
2: mm-hmm.
0: so um, it was my third day on the job, so I was still getting my head around everything. And the, the television studio itself was a, a gymnastics maze, so I was still figuring out how to get from A to B, and in the TV world, it's often very like especially studio jobs it's very fast-paced you have to pick things up really as soon as possible yeah um, otherwise you get left behind and there's in studio jobs in particular you can only talk to certain people within the crew i.e your direct producers or people who are kind of at the same level as you so i was a runner which was basically like the bottom of the bottom which meant that i could only talk to other runners on the show or to producers. If I was to talk directly to the comedian or to the, with the writers, anybody else, I could get fired for that. So the producer said to me, um, Rohini, you your job for this afternoon is to meet guests and bring them up to the celebrities' dressing rooms, because sometimes the guests would have like friends and family members that would bring like that they would meet before the show. And we would basically designed to, we had to cater to them essentially. So I was told to meet them in a specific area of this massive reception place. And um, I said to this one group, hi guys, who are you here to see? And they told me the name of the comedian they were here to see. And I was like, okay, great. How long have you guys known each other for? And they were like, oh, we've known each other for like years and years. And I was like, oh, great. Like, how, how do you know each other? How do you know each other? I was asking them all these kind of questions and it mm. It wasn't like they tried to dupe me or anything like that, because the questions I was asking were the questions that I was told to ask by the producers, like, who are you? Who are you here to see? Like, how do you know them? What's your kind of favourite memories of them, if you like, kind of thing? So I took them up to the dressing room. Again, I got lost. It took me about 20 minutes, because I was figuring myself around this maze, and I thought this weird comedian, because it was my third day, I was still trying to essentially impress people. I was basically panicking, trying to get them to the room on time so I can keep things on schedule. And I thought this comedian was in um, rehearsals on that particular day. They weren't in rehearsals. They were lying there on their sofa in their dressing room and I just walked straight in with these guests. And I was like, hi, um, your friends are here. And they were like, oh, uh, who are you? I don't know you guys. And I just thought they were having a bit of banter at first. They were completely starstruck. So they literally weren't speaking. (laughs) And I was like, these, these are your friends. So they, they said that they're here to see you. So, yeah. Um, and I just thought, again, they're having a bit of banter. They're not really, um, like, communicating with each other, if that makes sense. And something kind of felt a bit off. Yeah, I couldn't get to reach anybody on my team. So I was panicking, thinking, what the hell have I done? Um, it turns out that they're actually audience members
1: audience members and fans and desperate to meet their, their hero.
0: But they, in hindsight, the questions that I was asking them, they weren't technically lying because there was like, I would ask them, how do you know them? And they were like, their response was, Oh, we go way back. Mm. Now I literally dropped them off in the studio. And then the producer came to me and I was thinking, I was praying in my head thinking, I hope this doesn't go down badly. (laughs) But, um, because it, it was my dream job at that time. But the producer came up to me and goes, can you have a chat? And it's never good when anybody says that in a corporate life. So they said to me, oh, "What's basically, what's your side of the story? I told them the exact conversation that we had. And um, one, they were annoyed that I just walked straight into the dressing room, even though I said I thought he was in rehearsals. And two, they said, well, there was a list that he was supposed to have. Why didn't you check that list? And I was like, "How am I going to know about something that I didn't know about?" Mm. So, and um, in response to their questions, I'll oh, we go way back. They, um, the producer said, "Well, a lot of the fans actually say that they know the person so well because of that hardcore fans that they feel like they know them very well." And so, yeah, the producer just goes, "You got to go home." And I was like, "Do I do I come back tomorrow? Because this is I've never been told to go home before."
1: So they're like, "Yeah, I just go home and don't, don't come back." Oh, that's awful. That's, yeah, yeah. I feel like you were you were sort of thrown into it there because you know you weren't given all the information. You didn't have the list. You to put that responsibility on you on on stopping quite hardcore fans getting through to meet somebody. It's it's a little bit unfair, I think, to make someone do that.
0: But that's that's kind of the nature of the industry. Mm. It's very, um, it is very cutthroat like that because they can't afford to literally have mistakes. It literally costs them money. So that was a blessing. Uh, when I actually didn't know it, know it at the time.
2: Mm.
0: Yeah. Speaking- because it got me thinking it kind of like unveiled the, the, the dark side of the industry. And I'd seen it happen to other people. Like I'd seen people get hired just based on their profile picture. So it, yeah
1: I'm glad it, I'm actually glad it happened. Uh, yeah I I I should say so yeah cuz it, it sounds like you're you're well out of it. Yeah. And you've made the right decision and you're you're doing pretty well now so all round it was it was a good move. It may not seem like it at the time but it was a good move and you got to watch the Lion King. Yeah. <laughs> Which is always a good thing. Um you that you sounds, mentioned- yeah you You mentioned um companies doing doing videos and video marketing or video companies not necessarily understanding marketing now i I speak to a lot of lot of companies that say oh we, we we could do with a video for our website or we could do with a video for ourselves and they never really know why they want one or what they actually want it to do. What in your opinion do some video production companies that do work for for corporates do wrong in terms of producing the videos?
0: Hmm, that's a good question. I would say that they, some of them, not all of them, but some of them, they don't look at the bigger picture. Pun intended, by the way. (laughs) Um, They don't look at the bigger picture. Um, In fact, one of my um, sort of long-term clients, I said to them, why did you choose to go with me? Because they're quite a big e-commerce company and they could have had the pick of pretty much any production company out there. I said to them, why did, they, why did you choose to go with me? And they said, well, when we called you, one, it wasn't straight onto business. It, you asked questions like, what is the purpose of the video? What do you want to use the video for? Where is the video going to be shared out to you? Who are you trying to attract um, from the video? And you, asked, uh, you got us thinking about more ways that we can use the video. And I think from the sounds of that conversation, the other production companies, one, they made him feel quite small because they were straight onto the budget. What's the budget? Can we can we actually work with you? And so straight away, he felt like he was just money to them. And my kind of thinking is, I don't actually know if I could work with you, so I've got to ask these questions to figure out if this is actually the right move for you. I think that's where we, we operate a bit differently. I think that's where also a lot of production
1: companies they they slack basically. Mm. No, I'd, I'd completely agree with that because I mean, we 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 do a lot of websites and and we do Facebook advertising and we do search engine optimization for clients. And quite often, somebody will come to us and will say, "Can you do Facebook ads for us, or can you do Google ads for us?" And a lot of companies in our position will go, "Yeah, we can," and they'll give you a quote for it and say, "This is what it's going to cost you," but. First thing we'll ask is, what are you looking to achieve with it? Yeah. What is it you actually want to do? Because it could be that Facebook advertising or Google ads or, or, or SEO isn't the right thing for them. Because it may not get the results that they want. And it, it's the same with video. Somebody says they want a video. They want This is what we want to actually have on the video. What do you want to achieve with it? What do mm-hmm. you want it to do for you? It, it's important to get those questions Asked of a client, and, and people, anyone listening to this, if you do try and imply somebody to do video or to do website, Facebook, whatever it may be for you, you want them to be asking you the question, "What is it you want to achieve?" Not just "Yes, we can do it, and here's your bill." It's about what the results yeah. are, the, the, the cut the client actually wants to make. So, what what sort of what sort of things do you help clients achieve with their video?
0: Our job really is to have a look at where they're at now in their business and where they want to be in the future. And that could be six months' time, 12 months' time, even 10 years' time. And we will help them to create a bespoke video strategy that's going to help them get from A to B a lot, lot sooner. And that could be through multiple strategies. It could be through Facebook ads to generate leads. It could be through LinkedIn. It could be through just sending emails out to their internal um internal clients. So maybe they don't want to be public about the videos, but they just want to keep their current clients happy and keep them coming back. Or maybe they just want to use the videos to secure new investors. I've had a lot of businesses wanting to do that. They don't want to be public about their affairs, but they want to secure funding from certain individuals and having a video to show them what they're investing in is really, really powerful. So we have to understand what the bigger picture is. And then we decide okay,
1: this is probably going to be the best solution for you. I've seen some of the – I saw one video you did today on – I think it was for a property developer. You were talking about setting up a time lapse for a property developer. Is that the kind of thing you're talking about, about um, clients looking for investment? Because that obviously is an industry where investment is critical and having faith in the ability of the person you're investing in is very important. So what can you do for, for property developers to help them secure investment?
0: So, we have a property um, client at the moment. At the moment, one of them is a lettings agent. What we do for them is one, we help them to maintain their brand awareness online, which helps them to stay ahead of their competition. They operate in a different league of their own anyway. So, for us, it's just about showing their professionalism. And that in turn directly helps them to get more leads. So, it's about One part of it is showing actually what what can you do for members of the public? What can you do for your clientele? What's the problem that you solve for them? But also the other side of it is showing people what they're actually investing into. So I've had other property clients where they want to have walkthrough videos of a new development that they've just done. And that video has directly helped them to secure new tenants because the tenant can see like literally what they're buying into without having to use their time on the viewing the investors so people that offer loans or angel investors to help the property developer the property developer can basically say this is a bit about my company these are the kind of properties that I invest in here's some videos for you to take a look at the the person that's basically sending the finance can then say okay cool I can see that so it just builds up that credibility in people's minds rather than them having to use their time to physically go somewhere which time is money mm. or trying to read it from a piece of paper and visualize what it's about. Mm.
1: In, in terms of um, companies that are thinking about video to help sell their products, their services, or sell their, their ethos on what they do, um, what do you think a company needs to have in order Uh, needs to have prepared before they even go towards uh, producing some sort of video? What do they need to know about their business?
0: It depends. So if they want to record the videos themselves, there are certain things that they need to know about before they record it themselves. There's certain equipment that they would need to invest in first and foremost. But I I would always say to anybody really, before you start hitting record or hiring a production agency, Really nail down what your objectives are. Why do you want to do the video in the first place? What's your purpose? And you can have multiple purposes. It could be to raise your brand awareness online. It could be to generate X amount of leads. And by the way, if you want to generate a certain amount of income, a certain amount of leads, it helps to be specific about the number because you've then got a target to work towards. Hmm. Understand your core values because that's essentially what people are going to be buying into. What is also your backstory? Because it's no use telling people all these amazing facts and figures and the, the benefits of your product or your service. Because, quite frankly, this is going to bruise some of your egos. Nobody cares about your business. They care about what it can actually do for them. And I was I um, I sent this out to my email database uh, this morning actually. Nobody cares about your business. They care about what it can do for them. And as an an example of that, nobody buys shampoo. What they buy is clean hair. They're buying the, the solution to their problem, not your product or your service. And the quicker you can get your head around that, the better. So figure out specifically how your product or your service solves that solution. Once you understand that, that's when you can start creating content that's going to actually have a bigger impact. The next thing I would say is really understand your audience and who you're trying to target. A lot of people tend to make the mistake of just trying to target one demographic. Chances are you're going to have multiple demographics. By that, I mean people from different age groups, different interests. The deeper you know the person that you're trying to attract, the better because, again, you can create content that's specifically going to attract that particular client. So really understand their demographics. What's their age? Where are they based? What languages do they speak? What's their first language? What are their interests? What's their lifestyle like? Why do they do what they do? Why do they operate in the way that they operate? How do they speak? I don't necessarily mean their language, but I mean, like, do they talk kind of colloquially? Do they use a lot of slang or do they talk quite prim and proper? So by understanding the bigger picture about who you're trying to attract, again, you're going to create this content that's specifically matched to them. And then don't be afraid to use different types of content to attract your different customer avatars. It's not going to be like a a cookie-cutter approach, typically, where one type of video is going to appeal to all of them. Instead, understand who you're trying to target and then create different types of content variety of content to match their different interests to match their different lifestyles
1: you know it, it it's so refreshing to hear you you, you say that because there's so often I'll speak with with clients or business owners and they don't understand who they're aiming their 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 content at, whether it be video, whether it be written content, particularly website content, they don't understand that they're trying to target their customers or their target customers' wants and needs and desires and problems. They just talk about themselves. I see Mm. so many websites where the content on the website just talks about how long they've been doing something, how what qualifications they've got, what experience they've got. As, As you say, nobody cares. Nobody cares. They just want to know what it's going to do for them, what it's going to do for them.
0: Here's the thing, right? Having all of these awards, like lots of experience, lots of essentially vanity metrics. Like I think when I see businesses like Trump, how many awards that they've got, how many years of experience that they've got, how many big name clients that they've got, all of that is vanity. It's just stuff to kind of build up your credibility and allow people to build and trust in you. What they still care about, underneath all of that, is what can this person do for me? How are they going to help me in a particular problem that I have? I think in that on a subconscious level. So if your content doesn't have substance where it actually talks about how you can solve their problems and make their life a lot better, it's just of vanity,
1: mm. essentially. And, and one thing you, you touched upon in there was their, their why their story Mm -hmm. which is so important to get out for a business uh, especially through video and most businesses don't know their why they don't know why they do what they do how do you help businesses get to the bottom of their why when you're you're producing a video with them
0: i quite literally keep asking them why why do you do what you do and then the chances are the first answer is going to be the sort of surface level answer then you go a bit deeper to say why do you do that and then you keep asking why until you get to the root of everything and usually it's a case that they want to maintain a certain lifestyle they've got kids that they want to inspire they've got kids that they want to support or they want to they want to achieve certain stuff because it makes them feel good yeah
1: Yeah. i i I did i did an interview with um a, a lady last week uh danielle clark and she's a she's a branding and marketing lady from from birmingham actually and We came across her why in the interview, which she was sort of aware of before. She was sort of aware of before, but she didn't Mm realise what her why was and came across it on the actual interview that her why traced all the way back to primary school. All the way back Mm -hmm. to primary school when she was um, told she wasn't able to do something. She wouldn't be good enough to do something and she went ahead and did it anyway anyway. And she realized that during the actual call. So it was, it was a great interview because it's like we've, we've got to the bottom of a why. We've had a, we've had a breakthrough on, on the actual interview itself. Um, so a lot of people don't know their why. They can't get to their why. I've, I've done this exercise myself. And, and quite often, as, as you say, it's keep tracing it back, keep going back. Because the reason people give us why isn't necessarily the real reason they give us why. It's why they think it is. Mm. And that's so important to actually come across in a story format. I've, I've done it myself. I've done it myself. So I've got, I've got different whys for different parts of the business, and it is so useful to do. How do you help people, though, with video when they say that, um, I I, I, need, I know I need video for my business, but I, I'd i be rubbish in front of a camera. I can't speak in front of a camera. I, I don't have the face for a camera. How, how do you talk to people like that?
0: First of all, I've got to establish whether or not it's a confidence issue or something else. So nine times out of ten, it's going to be, uh, oh, I don't like how I look or how I sound on camera. So we can work with that, which is absolutely fine. The other part of it is thinking, well, is having your face on camera the right strategy? Because sometimes having an animation is the better option. So I'll talk through the confidence to begin with. So confidence, um, chances are, if your first video is perfect, you wait way too long. It took me about two hours to do my first pre-recorded video. And I pretty much just stumbled from my way through the whole thing. So my first tip is to recognize where does that lack of confidence come from? Like, really, where does it come from? Because it's not enough to say, oh, I just feel self-conscious. Where does that self-conscious feeling come from? When we start to address that inner feeling, one, we unearth limiting beliefs, and that in itself can help us to actually progress. But two, we can start to kind of work forward from that point of thinking, well, that's the point where I started to kind of lose the confidence. That's where the lack of confidence comes from. And then you can kind of bridge the gap to move forward from from there. So it's about having that sense of awareness to begin with, for me, it was a case of thinking, well, one, I have got, I want to prove people wrong that I can actually do it because, like Danielle, I was also told that, you know, I can't do it, I can't charge a certain amount or whatever. I wanted to prove the naysayers wrong, but also it was the thing of wanting everything to be perfect. Because I'm such a technical perfectionist, everything that I put out there, I want to make sure that it's got everything to the T down, sorted to it. So it took me a long time to get my head around the fact that actually it's okay to make mistakes. It's normal. It's human. And when you kind of stumble through things, it makes it more relatable funnily enough. So yeah, I mean, I've got a bunch of videos on how to create camera, like camera confidence. I'm more than happy to share those links with you guys. And these are just tips that have actually helped me to get more camera confident, help my clients to get more camera confident too. So that's the camera confidence side of things. Now, Sometimes having your face on camera might not be the best option because if you've got, say, a product that you want to demonstrate, something fairly complicated or fairly boring, and you just want to kind of bring it to life, an animation may be the better option for you, and they're actually probably more affordable than you think. So animation is option number one. You can also have one of your team members record a video. Even if they're virtual, they can just get on camera to say, this is what I do, this is why I like working with so-and-so, this is why I like the company, this is how, this is what my role involves, a bit about them. What those kind of videos do is it shows team culture. It shows a bit about the behind the scenes, like who I'm. people will watch that thinking, okay, cool, I really like that person. So those are the first two options. Next option is you can get your clients to report testimonials for you. Really, really powerful. If if you've done a really great service or somebody loved your product, chances are they're going to be willing to get on camera to say really few nice words. The trick is with testimonial videos is to tell the client to say what their problem was before they had the product or service. Then how they got introduced to your product or service and then the solution that it gave them and then how they feel. So there's four components within that. Really, really powerful psychological stuff. And the reason video testimonials are so, so powerful is because you can go on and on and on about how amazing your product or your service is, but when somebody else says it, it just brings a whole new boatload of credibility to your brand. But also, chances are they're going to share that within their network as well. So you've just raised your brand awareness by asking them to do a testimonial video for you and sharing them out. There's loads of other options where you can do videos without having to physically be in them. A lot of it revolves around, um, showing people behind the scenes content. So for example, like a day in the life of the CEO or showing a product being made or showing your services being delivered, whatever it is, mm-hmm. people love to see like behind the scenes content because they're, they're a bit noisy at the end of the day. They like to think like, Oh, what's that about? Um, and. I'm sure you know you know TikTok, right? You've heard of it.
1: I'm familiar with TikTok. Yes, my, my daughter mm-hmm. is on TikTok.
0: So there is an account on there that I used to follow where they literally just bag sweets. That's it. <laughs> All they're doing is showing the process of them putting sweets into the, the packaging. That is it. Mm-hmm. But the way that they do it is in such a sensory, satisfying way. So that people like to hear the sounds of their sweets being packed. They like to... Watch it being poured in. So, what makes that video so powerful, or that type of content so powerful, is one having the right sound, but also having the right lighting in place and having the right camera angles. And literally, people would order through her TikTok page just to see their process being made. That's it. And then in the video, she would comment. She would highlight their comment in the corner, saying, "Can you do me a a green um, bonbon pack or something like that? Or can you do me some Coca-Cola bottles?" She would highlight their comment and then show it being packaged away. So that's what I mean by. It. And by the way, she guys, she's got millions of followers just by doing that type of content.
1: Wow. So. What advice would you give to somebody who wanted to make their own videos and do it themselves, Uh, so from a technical standpoint and from an actual planning standpoint as well?
0: There is loads to consider, um, probably too much to cover in this particular podcast, and that's why I created a course on how to make your own videos from your smartphone with confidence. But in a nutshell, the points that I made earlier about understanding your audience, why you want to do videos, the theory behind your your purpose for doing videos understand all of that first then um, get yourself a selfie stick tripod so they're really lightweight. I think they're like 10 quid from amazon so dead cheap and really really durable and it allows you to just prop up your phone on like a flat surface and you can just record straight away now chances are when you get your phone it's going to come with with the standard camera settings so you need to make sure that your camera settings are actually optimized I'm not going to go into the technical details of that because it's probably better that I show you guys. Otherwise, it's just going to sound like technical boring jargon. Yeah. <laughs> Get yourself a nice big ring light. The bigger the better because it's going to be brighter. Um, ring lights, I think, go for about anything from 20 to 90 quid. So, But they're definitely worth investing into. And they're really, really helpful, especially if you've got a, a small recording space. But if you want to be a bit more diverse with your lighting, and then get yourself two softbox lights and just position them either side of you or straight in front of you. You want to make sure that your lighting is nice and even even because what can happen is if you have shadows on your face, then that can psychologically create distrust for your viewer. Holly will do this all the time, and they use lighting on the face to evoke certain emotions. So to make people feel at ease, just make sure that your lighting is nice and even. Second, um, audio get yourself a lavalier mic. This, this is really, really um, crucial. if you want to cut out background sound and make the um, make your audio a bit more crisp. So when you get yourself a lavalier mic, make sure that it's got three lines on the jack part of it. Otherwise, it's not going to connect properly to your phone and you basically bought yourself the wrong microphone. <laughs> and then um, what else would I say? make sure you maintain eye contact or as much eye contact with the lens as possible, because that's the equivalent of looking at somebody in their eyes. I mean, think about it. When you're talking with somebody to their face, you look at them in their eyes, don't you? You don't look past them. You don't look up at them. You don't look to the side. So don't be, like, as beautiful as you are, don't be tempted to look at yourself when you're recording on on the screen. Hmm. Look at the lens, because that's going to help the viewers to, one, engage with you on a subconscious level, but also to build trust with you, and it's the exact same principle. of if somebody doesn't look at you in the face when they're talking with you, does that person make you feel at
1: ease or not? That that that's a good that's good advice. I mean, you see so many people doing that when they're recording videos with their phone. You can see they're just looking at the screen, and yeah. it's so easy to do because you just get distracted because that's what you think you need to look at. But it's actually the very small little lens you need to be looking at. What what I tend to do, I've got a little clip. Um, ring lights that I put around the lens on my phone to remind me that that's where I need to be looking at so I'm looking into the light, not looking at my face and one of the guys yeah. here records videos on on, on his phone and, and he keeps forgetting, so I've actually told him actually turn the phone around, don't put it on selfie mode so you can't see the screen it's a better yeah. camera on the other side anyway so you're going to get better video so then you know it's a big, with the iPhone it's like a big triple lens thing you, you can't miss that, it's the only thing to look at so that's, that's one thing I do tell people to do. Um, your, yeah. your, your courses, your camera confidence course, uh, if you share the link with that with me, I'll put that below the podcast so somebody can, can sign up for that uh, either via Apple or via YouTube or wherever, wherever you guys are watching this right now. Is that a course that they can do online on demand or do they have to sign up and do a live course? No, it's, um,
0: it's designed to, one, be really easy to digest so they can cover it in an afternoon if they really wanted to. They can pick up and watch the videos in their own time. So there's no like live video demonstrations, etc. Obviously, if they want one on one support, I'm more than happy to help them with that. And we can arrange a time to do that with them. But it's really just designed for them to just pick up and go. And I wanted it to be super affordable. So I just marked it as 30 quid.
1: 30 quid? That's a bargain. Yeah. That's a bargain. Yeah, know, right? and, and once somebody has completed that course, what will they be able to do?
0: make videos with confidence on their phone, know exactly what they're doing. Because in the course, we don't just talk about the technicalities of how to record the videos, but we also talk about how to structure your content, how to actually create content that is going to appeal to people in the first place. And that's the point that I I wanted to mention earlier, actually. When you're planning, when you're creating your videos, plan your content beforehand so that you're not waffling on. And one of the things I like to do is have notes just beside my lens so if I do lose my train of thought I can just glance at the notes and my eyes aren't going to deviate away too much from the lens and to the audiences then they're, you know they're not going to know the difference really
1: mm. no so, that, yeah. that, that, that that's a good idea I mean I tend to go through scripts in my head over and over again before I actually do something because I, I can't read a script and learn it I've never yeah. I've never been able to do that but I can write it in my head and not write it down. So if I write it down, I'm trying to picture the script and I'll just get tripped up and, and get the words wrong. So I'll learn it as though I was going to say it and I write it in my head to do it because otherwise I'm, I'm useless to that. Some people can learn scripts. Some people come from an acting background, can write a script, read it, and then just poof, straight off like that. So what yeah. what what advice would you have for people if they wanted to actually deliver dialogue like that?
0: With, with scripts, I would say... One, write it in a way that you talk because we tend to write much more formally than we actually talk. Mm. So what you can do is just say get on Word and you can dictate. So just speak and it will write your your audio as text.
1: That's a good idea. I've never never thought of that.
0: Yeah. It will save you a lot of time as well. Um, So that's one option to do. And then you can download like teleprompter apps so you can just use that same script upload it to the teleprompter app and that way there's you're not having to try and memorize anything you can actually look down pause and look down at the scripts or whatever because the script is directly in front of you and the teleprompter app it will detect when you're speaking and so it will keep scrolling up and then pause when you're not speaking so really really helpful stuff
1: yeah
2: yeah yeah. i
0: would also suggest to people then unless your content is particularly worthy, like it does need certain information to be in it, try and avoid scripting it if you can, purely because you don't want to sound too, like, robotic. Also, what I tend to do is just bullet point the content I, I want to discuss. Bullet point it in the um, the order that you want to discuss it in. The reason I say to do that is because, one, it's going to like sound so much more natural, and two, it will... um. Yeah, overall, it's just going to sound a lot more natural. But also, just remember that you're the expert. You know your stuff inside and out. You know your business inside and out. Mm. I think a lot of people, when they start recording videos, they forget that. They forget that people are watching this to see what can I get out of it. Mm. They're watching you, the expert. So you don't have to kind of prove yourself or anything like that. You don't have to get the information perfect, but you do have to show, show up and be consistent with it.
1: No, I think consistent, That that's a great tip there because a lot of people have the idea of doing videos and they're not keen on being in front of a camera or talking. So they'll do one, maybe two. <clears throat> they might put it on LinkedIn and then they'll shy away from it or oh, I've done it now, I don't need to do it again. But consistency is, is the key. If you do it regularly, people see you regularly talking about it. They see you as the expert. And when they do need what it is that you do, what you can help with, you're the person they think of they're not going to think Mm. of you if you're not doing it because they won't see you they won't you're not going to come to mind it is about the consistency and going out and doing it
0: that's that's what we call attraction marketing which is really really powerful Where you're putting content out there And by the way guys when you're putting content out there don't do it with an expectation of i'm gonna get a certain return back because Mm. people can kind of sense that people can sense when you're just putting out content one for the sake of content but two when you're putting it out there and expecting something in return. Put it out there because you genuinely want to help people, you genuinely want to educate people, you genuinely want people to succeed. I always say to people, um well people, people are like, because I'm not one of those like agencies that keep all their secrets to themselves. So it's me and I've got an incredible team behind me. But really from day one, we've like I've taught people how to do what I do. And a lot of people in my industry are afraid to do that. And when people ask me, why do you just share all of your industry secrets? Why don't you monetize it? Or why don't you do this? And my my first response is, one, I do monetize it because people ask me to do it for them. But two, people have this fear of thinking, well, if I put out all of my knowledge, then that's going to give people a treasure map to success without me. And... After ten years plus of working in marketing, I can honestly tell you that is not the case. People just want education. People just want to know that you can do what you say you can do. They want to know what they want to know. You, the person behind the brand, and by you putting out value in the first place, it allows them to build that relationship with you without you having to sometimes physically interact with them. So don't be afraid to put out content out there because what that is doing is is pre-qualifying people. So by the time that they are ready to do business with you, they're already ready to do business with you because they've already seen your work, they know what you're about and they're ready to do something. It's just a case of ironing out the details rather than you having to then close the sale or like force close the sale or um, chase clients, etc., they're coming to you, they're then deciding, is this person right for working with me? And if they are, amazing. If not, then also amazing because you've just saved yourself a headache client.
1: Yeah. No, I I love that bit of advice there because I've heard people complain about that before, saying I I don't want to put all my secrets out there. I don't want to give people all my knowledge because then they won't need me. It's like, you're right, it doesn't work like that. Somebody's not going to look at the videos you do or read the blogs that you write and then suddenly know everything you know about your industry and how to do it without you. It it doesn't work that way. But people...
0: The way I kind of of look at it is, if they can do what you do, amazing. That's going to save you time and allow you to help people who genuinely do need your help Mm. and don't have the time for you. But also, the other side of that is... When they start to do it, they'll realize how challenging it is and how valuable your services are. They'll realize that they're working in the business and not on the business. And there's a difference with that because what I mean by working in the business and than on the business, when you're working in the business, you're doing activities that aren't necessarily generating direct income for you. So I'm talking like admin tasks, editing, video editing, that kind of thing. Mm. When you're working on the business, that allows you to progress at a much, much faster rate. So by kind of flipping your mindset in that sense, one, you'll start to think more like a leader rather than a manager. you start to think more like a CEO rather than somebody who's just kind of in a like management level. So yeah, like I said before, don't be afraid to put out content out there because you're going to sift through the people that aren't quite right for you, attract people that are right for you, and if your competition still your work,
1: amazing. It just means that you're ahead of them. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, no, you, you're absolutely right. I mean, from a, from a search marketing point of view as well, if your potential target clients, the people you're looking to work with, the people you're looking to help, they're online searching for the solutions to their problems. And if mm-hmm. you're putting out the solutions to their problems, they'll find you. If you're not, they'll find someone who is, which will be your competitors. So you may as well use the knowledge and the expertise that you've got to put it out there to help people find you so that you can help them.
0: Absolutely, yeah. Okay. Yeah, and I think it's important to note that people buy people first before brands and businesses. Yeah. And that's where personal branding becomes so, so powerful. Like, people often ask me, "What should what works better, a personal profile and a business profile? They are both just as important as each other. Because one, people want to connect with a real human. And when I say connect, I mean they want to build rapport. They want to build a relationship. They want to learn from a real human. So that's where the personal branding can come into play. And with your personal branding, I'd say don't be afraid to, like, share your opinions about something. Don't be afraid to be a bit controversial. Be 100% your authentic self. And that sounds scary to a lot of people, and I can completely, like, relate to them. What I found is when I started putting myself out there, I started attracting people that I want to work with and I started repelling people that I don't want to work with. So it's a win-win situation because if somebody is going to be offended by you, do you really want to work with that person? If somebody is going to judge you and not do business with you based on your hair or how you look or how you sound, do you really want to work with that person? These are the kind of questions that you kind of have to ask when you are putting your own content out or you're not putting your own content out there or like for reasons of your own like backlash for example then mm. the business profile works really really well because that's where people go to find out updates about your industry find out updates about your business see whether or not you're credible chances are so what might audience typically do before they pick up the phone and say I want to work with you is they'll see my content, they'll sit and follow it for X amount of time, and then they will go and look at my business profile say, okay, cool. And that just solidifies their decision because everything that I've said in my personal profile is reflected in my business profile. And then they pick up the phone and say, hey, cool, can we can we do something? And I'll, I'll give you an example of that. Um first one that comes to mind actually is I had a client who called me up and said, uh, no, he messaged me on LinkedIn at first and goes, have um, been following your content for a while. And by the way, this person had never, like, interacted in my content. They'd never messaged me before. We met at a networking event, stayed in touch online. But I never engaged in his content. But he'd been secretly watching my content, consuming it, digesting it, understanding it. He never liked it, he never commented, he never shared any content, he never messaged me before, but out of the blue, he goes, I've got an event coming up in Bristol and I want you to film it. The quote wasn't an issue because he already had the credibility in his mind. When I asked him about his customer buying journey, he explained that he'd been consuming my content for a while, so he knew that I was the person and my business was the the, um, business for him and that he'd... Then just check out my business profile to make sure that everything kind of stacked up. And then yeah, that was it, the rest is history. So that's that's the power of putting out content consistently, putting out the right content consistently, and genuinely doing it because you want to help other people to succeed. Yeah. If your content if your customers um, decide to go up and do their own thing, amazing, it just means that they're not ready for you yet. If your competition decides to like you steal your content, amazing because that information is already
1: out there in the first place. So, why why do you care? <laughs> no, it, it uh, you're hundred percent right. I I I mean, well, I run a couple of Facebook business groups and I'm in a lot more. And there's so many people that use those groups, and all they do is they share posts for their Facebook page or share products or services they do, or they just post in this is what I'm selling. And I have the one I moderate. I have to keep telling them this isn't how you do it this isn't how you promote yourself on social media you need to be helping people you need to be showing your knowledge showing your expertise showing that you care not just buy my stuff buy my stuff buy my stuff and so many people just don't get it they just don't understand it they just don't get that how content whether it's video or or text or, or in a social media post how you actually get people to buy into what you do so that they want to work with you and it's, it's really frustrating that so many people don't understand this.
0: Yeah, I would, I would almost argue that they new newbies in business because even the bigger businesses like Apple, Microsoft, Amazon, they still take the time to build relationships with their customers. They do it in a different capacity because obviously they're a much, much bigger business, but they've still got ways of encouraging engagement for their customers. I think it's really paramount that you've got to make it clear that why should people watch this video in the first place? And I don't just mean like because they're going to get the benefits from it. Again, like I said earlier, nobody cares about the benefits. They care about what the benefits can do for them.
1: Yeah. Yeah. No, you're absolutely right. Um, as as a, as a final question, for somebody that wants to to get in contact with you, whether that's to work with you or, or to buy one of your courses or to, or to even watch the videos that you do, how can they get in touch with you?
0: They can find me on all social platforms, so Facebook, LinkedIn, Insta, TikTok, and the handle is at LiveWireMediaUK.
1: Okay, thank you very much. And I will put all of those those links below this podcast as well so people can, can click straight through to get in touch with you. Thank you very much for for joining me today. It's been an absolute pleasure speaking to you. I, I always enjoy talking to people who who really get, get marketed and, and understand how it can help businesses.
0: Amazing. I really appreciate the invite and it's been really enlightening on my behalf as well, actually.
1: Hi. Thank you very much. Thank you.